The difference between a mentor and a sponsor is that a mentor is a volunteer who volunteers their time to really shepherd you, advise you, guide you um, in a in an kind of informal way. A sponsor is a person of influence within your organization who can influence decisions. And so sponsorship is different from mentorship in that a sponsor will put their weight behind your name a lot of the time in order for somebody to put their weight behind your name they need to know you at least be able to know that you will not embarrass them and that you're worth sponsoring hello and welcome to another episode of the career slay talks podcast i'm brenda dog bay also known as the career slay mama and in this podcast i share tips and tricks on how to take your career to the next level and the realness of the juggle. Um, and I center Black and Indian voices and African diaspora voices. Um, but of course, this podcast is open and welcome to everybody to listen to. Today, um, I would like to really share with you um, how to get leadership ready. So a lot of the times, um, a lot of folks, we, we talk a lot about there not being enough um, diversity at the leadership tables and how to get into those leadership positions. Um, one of the things that is important to really address is the pipeline that leads to leadership. And a lot of the times for us as, as Black people, as people who are underrepresented, we're underrepresented not because we're not capable, not because we are not competent, but because we don't have the opportunities. And the things that prevent us from having those opportunities are often um, these systemic barriers. So whether that's not having the opportunities to, to hone in on the skills that you need to eventually become a leader or not having the opportunities to even see yourself as a leader. I've never had a black boss and I've never had a boss who looks like me in Canada. And the challenge with that um, is that you don't have the mentors. You're not seeing yourself being mirrored back to you, whereas your counterparts are constantly seeing um, examples of themselves in leadership. So it's quite easy for them to build that confidence and know that it is attainable. And so we have to do that extra, but to work that much harder to really build on our leadership readiness so that when the time comes, we're not only able to step into leadership roles, but to also thrive in them. So today I, I wanted to talk about seven things that you need to do to become leadership ready. And a lot of the times it's right from all the way from entry level to mid-level. Uh, there's a lot of prep work that goes into getting leadership ready so that you can eventually step into management and executive roles. Um, so the first thing I, I'm sharing is to think strategically. It's important for you to really hone in on your ability to think strategically. And strategic thinking is not, it's not juju. <laughs> it's not, um, it's, it's not nebulous, right? Like what strategic thinking is, is really being able to see the big picture. So not focus on the very minute details, um, not focusing on the very operational or process oriented. So when I say process oriented, I mean, um, how are we going to do what we're going to do? The, the strategic thinking is, is you thinking, what's the purpose? What's the goal? How does this help us achieve our priorities as an organization, as um, a corporation, as a team, as a division? And so 
it's focusing on the, the, the so what, right? Like there's the what, which is what you're doing. There's the why, which is why you're doing it. And then the so what, what's the implications? And, and strategic thinking is a skill you have to start to hone very early on in your career because, um, that's what you're going to lean in on as a leader. And so how do you hone in on your strategic thinking skills? Part of that is, seeking to understand the overall mission and the vision of the organization. And then what's the contribution of your team or yourself as an individual? So really understanding where you fit in that overall puzzle and then how what you're doing feeds to that bigger picture. Um, strategy is also about um, anticipating. So not always just waiting for something to happen, but it's, it's, it's putting the things in place where you're thinking about options. So if this happens, that will result. And if that happens, the other thing will result. Strategic thinking is something that there are courses that help you hone in on how you think strategically. Um, it's often you thinking 360. So by what I mean by that is, um, if you have something like an initiative or a project that you're working on that you're trying to push forward, who are the key stakeholders around the table? How do we get them to support this idea or this mission or this project? And even if you're doing it on a really small project or team level, right? Like you've got an idea on um, how to start a new um, a new uh, initiative within your team, right? So if we bring it to that really granular team level, strategic thinking is you saying, okay, well, Nancy's going to be opposed to this. And so-and-so is not going to really be for this because they um, have some hangups. How am I going to prepare the terrain so that when I present this idea, it is accepted? And so maybe you have some sidebar conversations with Nancy before the meeting. Just say, hey, Nancy, um, I wanted to get your thoughts on this idea just to see what you think. And then you get buy-in from the other people so that by the time you're bringing the idea to the table, it's already been um, supported. So part of that, building that skill is where um, that strategic thinking starts. And it's a seed that you really need to continue to grow so that by the time you're getting into, I want to be a manager, I want to be a leader, I want to be an executive, you've honed that skill in. And it's something that should not be, be it should not be minimized. Second thing I'm going to say, and this again, sounds really, um, sounds unsexy, but these are some of the key things that you need to master if you're going to really be able to step into leadership and not just step into it, but thrive in it. So the second thing is gain corporate knowledge. Um, the thing about leadership is it's about managing. So it's about managing resources. It's about managing people. It's about managing money in terms of a budget. And it's about managing the strategic objectives of an organization. And in order to do that, you need to understand the corporate function. Now, these are things that often don't sound as exciting, but without an understanding of how the organization works, you cannot be an effective leader in terms of steering it in one way or another. So there are many ways, even in early on in your career, that you can gain not just corporate knowledge, but build your skills and appreciation for the corporate element. So some of the ways that you can really hone in on this corporate skills are um, volunteering as part of a board of directors for, say, uh, a non-governmental organization. Um, that board of directors are going to oversee how this 
NGO works and how, um, you know, their resources, the people that they hire and then the money and then how all of that comes together. And these are things that you don't have to wait until yourself are in an executive role, but that you can build into your capacity within your organization, getting some level of experience in the corporate function of the organization. And um, a lot of the times there will be either a finance uh, branch of your organization. If it is government, for example, um, there's the responsibilities in terms of annual planning, annual reporting mechanisms for accountability. And the reason why this is important is that leadership is not just about strategic direction, but it's also about accountability. And you need to understand and build this skill. And so that can be done in a number of ways. I've given a couple of examples, but it can also be done through exposure. It can be done through um, courses, um, but tangible experience is invaluable because it will always help you propel forward. The third way to get leadership ready is to build strategic relationships. Um, there's different kinds of relationships that you need to build in order to build your capacity as an employee, to build your capacity in an organization. So one of those is, um, is mentorship. And as I mentioned earlier, um, I've been often the only black person in, in my job or in my, um, you know, I've never really reported to a black person. And so seeking those mentors has really been instrumental in me, um, even articulating the issues that I'm facing. So if I'm at work and I'm facing leadership issues, there's always that extra layer as a woman, as a black woman, as an immigrant woman. And, um, being able to communicate that adequately uh, to somebody who will just get it. So when I say I've been facing microaggressions without having to define microaggressions for the person, without having to say exactly what I've been going through. So you need to be able to build um, mentor and mentee relationships. You need to be able to network with different people in order to build and expand your network so that you can leverage your network. And the goal of networking isn't always, I need a job. In fact, if you only reach out to people when you need a job, you're not going to get a lot of traction. So the goal of networking is to expand your horizon, to get to know what or, or opportunities exist, but also learn about organizations. And that's a really harmless way of building and expanding your network in a way that you will get traction. And so, um, Networking is an important element of building strategic relationships. Having mentors is an important element. And the third bucket is sponsorship. So uh, the difference between a mentor and a sponsor is that a mentor is a volunteer who volunteers their time to really shepherd you, advise you, guide you um, in an in a kind of informal way. A sponsor is a person of influence within your organization who can influence decisions. And so sponsorship is different from mentorship in that a sponsor will put their weight behind your name. A lot of the time, in order for somebody to put their weight behind your name, they need to know you, or at least be able to know that you will not embarrass them and that you're worth sponsoring. And so you need, in order to grow in leadership, first and foremost, a lot of the roles at that executive leadership level are done and vetted out through sponsorship. Very few roles are filled purely out of merit and um, qualifications and a formal process. There is always an element of um, vouching for and speaking for and putting that um, 
even advocating for, pushing for that candidate. So you really need to get comfortable with approaching influential people and uh, and building the relationships that allow them to sponsor you so that you can progress. And this is so key. I'm going to do a different podcast episode just on sponsorship. But the bottom line is that you really do need to build strategic relationships. And some of that is through networking. Some of that is through mentorship. And some of that is through sponsorship. The fourth way for you to get leadership ready is to really develop your communication skills. Um, leadership is all about communication. And um, as a leader, you're constantly communicating with, you know, upper upper management, you're communicating with um, your managers, you're communicating with your staff, and you really need to hone in on your communication skills because you need to be able, a lot of the time, we often say is the amount of time to brief gets less and less. And I'll give an example from government because that's where I work, but it's quite applicable to other fields. So um, if you're briefing your supervisor, they want a lot, you know, pages of information detailing exactly what you've been working on and why, et cetera. When that supervisor is briefing the manager, they might get um, maybe two to three pages where they get to summarize exactly what's going on, raise an issue or do a signal check. When that manager is briefing the director, they get less time. So they probably have um, a page uh, to, to for the briefing. It's going to be a maximum one page and you're going to share that information. If the director is briefing the director general, um, you're just one small, your work is one small piece of the puzzle. And so you now get half a page or maybe even uh, a few paragraphs. When that director general is 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 briefing an assistant deputy minister, for example, um, or a senior official, that one pay one paragraph now becomes three bullet points, and you need to be able to say what you're saying in three bullet points. And by the time it's getting to the deputy minister or upper upper management, it's it's a bullet, it's a sentence, and so you really need to hone in on how to communicate succinctly, effectively. And, and, and efficiently because time is often of the essence. And the more you're able to hone in on that skill, um, the better you'll position yourself to be leadership ready. Um, no leader wants to receive a hundred page document that they don't have time to read. They need that person who's going to be able to make it succinct to the point. What do I need to know about this item and what are the implications? And so what is the, what is it? What's the what? What's the why? What's the so what? Let's get to the what's the bottom line. So there's many ways to build the communication skills. Um, you can do that through trial. So, so the, the practice of briefing, the practice of informing is what's going to really hone that skill. They're also writing courses. And again, um, a part of one really key element in communication is um, who's your audience. So you're going to communicate appropriately at the appropriate level so that you're not giving a deputy minister a 20 page document and then you're giving um, maybe somebody who needs more of the details one bullet. Right. So it's really going to be important for you to hone in on the message and then hone in on how to target your message for each specific audience. Um, and then again, you need to know how to brief um, verbally as well as in writing. So that 30 second elevator speech, if you happen to walk into the elevator, I guess we're going back to work. So, so, you know, this, this example is applicable, but if, if you've got 30 seconds to brief and you, in the, the time that it takes to go from zero to 12th floor is all of the time that you have to give an update. 
or to pitch your idea or to share what it is that you're working on. You need to be really succinct and really focus on the key elements that are relevant for that person in that context. Now, um, the fifth way to get leadership ready is that you need to really understand um, both the depth and the breadth of an organization. And what I mean by this is, so when we're talking about the depth, this is subject matter expertise. And what does that mean? This is how deeply and how well you know about a topic, a subject, um, an area of work. The, the, the value of this is that it makes you an expert and, and being an expert makes your skill and your knowledge sought after, right? So as you're growing from that mid level, it's important to think about where do I want to grow roots in? Where do I want to go deeper? How do I want to really build that knowledge where I, I can be counted on as a resource person to know everything about one particular thing. And um, there is value in being in specializing and there's different ways that you can specialize, whether that's through your studies. So you could, again, study a very specific area of knowledge, um, whether it's policy, whether it's, you know, scientific knowledge, engineering, um, whatever, right? Like even in the arts, really mastering international relations, like being able to be called on as the expert. This is often a combination of training, competencies, and the amount of time that you spend in that area. And so in order to build depth, you do need to spend some time in that area of knowledge. And one way of doing that without having to stay in a role for five to 10 years is making lateral moves. And so moving at the same level, but in, a, in the same function in a different organization. And so that allows you to have the perspective of, I worked in this organization, I've done the same thing in another organization. So that's the depth. The breadth comes back to what I was talking about in terms of having corporate knowledge. And so being able to multitask, being able to see that 360 view, being able to handle multiple different priorities that are unrelated and not letting the balls drop is a key pre-step to being leadership ready. Because again, you allow yourself to really understand um, what is it that is required of you. Um, you really understand how to manage priorities. And that's a key part of being a leader is being able to make the call and say, I'd love to do that right now, but it cannot be a priority in light of this and that, or that I have limited resources. So as much as I would like to do everything, I have to pick and choose. And so being able to understand that depth, so subject matter expertise and that breadth, so being able to work um, horizontally and being able to collaborate with people in different areas, right? So you're not just in your area where you know everything about the one thing, but that you're actually being able to collaborate with people who are also working in other things and in other areas. It's really key in terms of really getting leadership ready, because a lot of the times as a leader, you'll you'll draw on both. Um, sometimes you'll draw on how to appreciate the subject matter expertise, but you also draw on that horizontality or that broader knowledge. The last couple of points that I have are around you yourself as a leader. So some of them, the sixth way of you getting leadership ready is to really lean in on your core values and get in tune with your leadership style. 
And this is something that you don't need to wait to become a leader to do. Um, in order to really lean in on your, your core values, I, this is one of the things that has surprised me as much, that has surprised me about being a leader, is that I'm leaning in a lot on, on who I am and what are my core values. Um, and some of those core values, I'll give you an example, is empathy. So um, ha- knowing that in your leadership style, empathy is important and that you leverage empathy in how you manage people and how you work with people, et cetera, is something that is important. Um, collegiality is something that I value. And so for my teams, um, I let them know up front, we're not going to be having squabbles. We need to leave our vendettas at the door and we need to treat each other with respect and work from that place of mutuality of respect rather than um, being petty, but nitpicky and whatnot. And, and some of these core values will help you gravitate towards leaders who also embody those values. And this is where, again, as a leader, um, it's a lot more about who you are, what you bring to the table, and and how that lines up with helping the organization meet its goals. But a big part of being a leader is also working with other leaders. And they're often, if you're not in tune with what your leadership style is, you will be clashing with leaders who lead very differently. Because again, there's no right or wrong. There's there's better versus worse. But um, a lot of the time, people lead in very militant ways and that's just their core values that's their style and so if your if your leadership style does not align with them then you cannot work effectively together and it's important for you to recognize that what are the circumstances where you thrive as a leader um if if you're thriving more in that strategic thinking big picture helping the organization get clarity build a vision then you'll gravitate towards roles like that whereas if you thrive in logistics getting every last detail um, organized and knowing every single step, having really great processes in place, then you'll gravitate to roles like that. Um, if you love numbers, like if you want number crunching, and that's that's what juggles your juices is is numbers and and understanding the full financial profile, making sure that an organization is financially sound and it's being run well, then you're going to gravitate toward that. So it's really important to know about your core values as well as you know coming back to the previous point, your subject matter expertise, because those two. Kind of feed into each other what you know versus who you are. All of those come into your role as a leader, and you need to hone these skills in before you're even ready to take on those leadership roles. And then, last but not least, the seventh way for you to become leadership ready is to have a strong personal and professional brand. You need to know your value proposition. You need to know what it is that you bring to the table. When they bring, when you hire Brenda, this is what you're getting. You're getting, um, I get the job done. I, I, I work, um, I collaborate and, um, collegiality is really important to me. I build strong working relationships with all of the people that I collaborate with. I lead with empathy and, um, I bring excellence. To what I do. So you need to know what are your three, what are your three, what's your trifecta? What are the three things that you bring to the table in every single role that you bring? And you need to start building that brand because that brand is going to help you as you get leadership ready. So 
you can't wait as uh, as an analyst or in your entry slash mid-level where you just show up to work and do the bare minimum. Um, and you're waiting that when you get that really exciting role, that suddenly you're going to bring your full self. You need to start that early. You need to build that reputation of being dependable, being somebody that um, folks can rely on to really get the job done. Um, and, and that's really important because uh, that, that brand of being consistent, that brand of bringing um, quality work, it will draw people towards you and it will help you leverage when you start to network, when you start to reach out to people, when you ask people to be a sponsor, no one's going to want to sponsor you. If your reputation is that you never, ever get things on time, you always uh, bail out at the last minute. You always take sick leave um, three three days before um, the deadline is due. And I'm not saying don't take care of yourself. Don't get me wrong. I think it's important to take good care of yourself. However, if you're track record is that every single time there's something that's delivered, uh, there's a deliverable that you never deliver because you somehow are, um, unde- you're not dependable. That's going to follow you. But conversely, if you are that person who always um, consistently um, delivers what is required, who d- goes over and above, that reputation is also going to follow you and make that a part of your personal brand. And um, as I said, once you get into leadership, your personal brand is what's going to set you apart from everybody else and your core values. And so the earlier you're able to think about what's my brand, what's my identity, what do I bring? What's my secret sauce? What do I bring to every single role that I play? And what do I want to bring? And are there gaps? Because it's in that pre-leadership season that you're going to prepare yourself for um, the full-on leadership role. And you don't wake up one day and say, and now I'm a leader. A lot of it is a lot of investing along the way. Thank you so much for following this episode. Um, please connect with me on social media. So follow the podcast's Instagram page at Career Slay Talks. You could also follow me, the Career Slay Mama, at Career Slay Mama on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, and let's slay career together.